episode two of Compliments to the Chef. Oh, we're we back. are here. We're back. We're back. We're so excited. Thank you all so much for all the positive feedback and listeners so far. Um, so excited to dive into it today. Nancy. To quote Sally Fields at this moment, you like me. <laughs> you really like me. Um, but yes, thank you so much for joining us again. Today, we are going to be discussing season six, Las Vegas, episode two. Let's get into it, Bits. I love it. Um, and just a quick clarification before we dive in, because I think it was maybe not clear last episode, but um, to recap. So Nancy and I have watched Top Chef before. Um, you know, Nancy's been following it for like many years. Like we're talking like live on Bravo. Um, I was a little bit more of a COVID Top Chef fan, but all to say that uh, we've seen all of these seasons, but it's been a while. Uh, and especially for these earlier seasons. So we're coming into it with some fresh eyes um, but we have like kind of a understanding of the Top Chef universe. And so you'll hear us sort of, you know, relate certain moments to trends or things that we'll see in other seasons. Um, so yeah, just wanted to make that plug quick. For sure. Okay. Another thing I think that behooves us to do is, um, we made some wild <laughs> accusations in our first episode. And by we, I mean me, um, accusing Top Chef of being part of Weinstein TV production company and I'd like to take this moment to be an adult and say I was wrong and I admit it Harvey Weinstein was in no way involved with the production of Top Chef <laughs> how very un-Harvey Weinstein of you oh my god and in that way we honor him in that or way dishonor. we dishonor him <laughs> anti shout outs to the man the myth the anti-legend the literal potato Ugh. but anyway on that note I will say that a very quick Google search of Top Chef Harvey Weinstein First result you're going to see is an open letter from Tom Colicchio. Love him. Love him in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Uh, essentially, I won't read it all, but he just talks a lot about misogyny in the kitchen and how it has no place in our world or the Top Chef world. Mm -hmm. And so shout out to a soul patch sporting king, Tom Colicchio. <laughs> you are our king of soul patch. <laughs> Okay, okay, the other clarification that we need to made, make is we have, you know, really gone into the archives, we've dug, we went to the New York Public Library, all to find the answer to the question that is burning for all of you. Um, Top Chef Season 6 aired in 2009, yeah. so we have a very good sense of where we are in the aughts. I guess it's not early aughts, it's mid-aughts. We're talking Obama era. Oh my gosh. Yeah. President Obama was in office when yeah. this season aired. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, I have also have one correction, Nancy. Uh, just a fact check follow-up. Uh, I mentioned last episode that I went to a David Guetta pool party uh, at M Resort. That is not true. Um, I went to a David Guetta pool party at Wynn Las Vegas. So apologies to M Resort. Uh, it's Wynn that is the disgusting uh, pool. All right. <laughs> okay. So let's actually begin. All right, Nance. Um, quick fire reactions to this episode. What are you? Uh, what are you stewing with? Like, what, what's the first thought that kind of like enters your mind as you, you know, hit next on that Netflix? Uh... The word of the day: nostalgia. Oh, this episode is so of the moment. It is wild. 
first off, we have a bachelor bachelorette party Mm -hmm. um, in Vegas, the classic. But really, this whole episode, you're seeing uh, political issues from the year 2009. Mm -hmm. You're seeing outfits from the year 2009. You're seeing gender stereotypes in the year 2009. It is just a neatly packaged, bow tied on top, nostalgia engine. And I loved it. That's great. That's a super wholesome take on it. Um, I love that. You're so right, uh, especially since we only figured out what year it was, <laughs> like, aired in um, five, five minutes ago. ago. But, but um, no, I think for me, my my quick reactions was actually, we're seeing some, we're seeing a lot of, like, splintering of the pack in a big way. Um, you have some really inventive food coming out of the kitchen. You also have some as... Uh, Tom put it really pedestrian fair. Um, I actually don't know that that was Tom, one, one of the other top chefs, but I think we saw a lot of the same folks come out of the gate really strong, like we did in the first episode, and the same folks kind of struggling on the bottom, which you don't always see some seasons. It's like episode to episode, it's like really a mixed bag, especially in the beginning when you have all these chef testings. But, but yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm clocking, and that's kind of the taste that this episode left in my mouth. All right, yes, great quick fire thoughts. Now we're going to get into the actual quick fire challenge. We open on the M Grand Resort and Casino Top Chef Kitchen. Mm. There we have standing Todd English and Padma Lakshmi. We'll get to that in a second. And they, the uh, chef testants are asked to roll the die. And the number that appears between two die are the number of ingredients each chef has to work with on this challenge. I absolutely love this quick fire. I really like that they're leaning into the Vegas stuff. Um, It's fun. It's kitschy. Uh, Of course, like immediately chefs are panicked because they're like, I don't want to roll a high number. I want to work with simple ingredients. So, um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, guest judge, Todd English. Todd English. Okay. I'm doing this live. Todd English, according to Wikipedia, is an American celebrity chef. Don't let the English name fool you. Um, He is from Boston, Massachusetts. Shout out to the cradle of the revolution. And beans. And beans. Um, And he essentially is one of the preeminent American chefs in this moment. He was... He's a restaurateur, and he really had his heyday in the early aughts. You know, the first thought I had when I saw this dude walk out was actually how much he looked like Jasper from The Holiday. <laughs> Doesn't he kind of look like him? Okay, so last season we have, or last episode we have Wolfgang Puck in The oh. Last Holiday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this episode I we have to, like, The Holiday. I need to, like, reprogram my, like, reference points, but. Turns out you just love, the- this is actually a holiday movie rewatch podcast. <laughs> Fitz is co-opting it in our second episode. Um, Other thing to note is that as of 2020, Chef Todd English's net worth, he is the ninth highest earning chef in the world. Wow. $18.5 million. All right. The man is doing well for himself. So um, anyway, yes, great guy all around. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the chefs are clearly a bit intimidated to cook for him. But so quickly on the challenge, I think that as a home cook, my initial thought was like, oh, you want more ingredients. Like, mm-hmm. I cook with a bunch of things. I can't imagine only having three or four. But I think it takes the professional chef to really reorient and explain to the audience why you actually want fewer. Of course, you don't want two. Yeah. But um, somewhere hovering around three to five is really the sweet spot. And that was a nice educational moment for me. I agree. And I, you know, I, it's funny because, like, almost all the chefs were high rollers. You know, we, we saw most people coming out with, like, eight to ten ingredients. Uh-huh. Um Taking it in a lot of crazy directions. The one through line I would say, I, I don't know what the deal is, but um, 
everybody had like a like a green sauce and a and a raw protein. There was a lot of like I just a, a lot of plates had green sauce on them. I don't know what that was. I think maybe there's something to the fact that you know you can put a lot of ingredients in like a chimichurri. Um, but that was something that stood out to me. Is just kind of funny. Yeah, that is funny. And I think was it maybe. It's in this episode, but someone says, like, chimichurri is the sauce of the summer. Yes, Todd English. <laughs> yeah, the Todd sauce English. of the year. I don't think it was a compliment either. No, I think it was definitely being like, oh, Jesse, you're kind of basic. Okay, but let's get into the actual food. So, yes, Jesse made a chimichurri with some sort of protein and sort of got the side eye from Todd English mm-hmm. on that. Um, other things to note, Michael Voltaggio... Uh, has the first glimpse of liquid nitrogen yep. in this episode. Very of the moment. Again, yes. this nostalgia theme. We're in the heyday of Wiley Dufresne, uh, molecular gastronomy. Wiley Dufresne. Wiley Dufresne, uh, who will probably be a guest judge at some point on this season. He always comes up once. But anyway, yes, it is just hilarious. The other thing I will note here is that Brian, once again incredibly boring these two mm-hmm. brothers just fill the roles perfectly yeah. it, it is perfect and like it's funny how much they just don't think about anybody else like it is a voltage like voltage world and it's just the two of them living in it it's kind of <laughs> insane. every single confessional it's like you know yeah everyone was whatever but my brother's still in it <laughs> or like my brother won or i'm one up on my brother everything goes yeah. back to the two of them that so is super funny there. um okay other dishes jen carroll Jen Carroll is clearly making a dish she's made before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is using uh, scallops, I believe. She's always doing fish. Again, we get it. Right. You're the fish girl. But at some point, I want to see her with uh, red meat protein. Her plates just look so beautiful, though. I love the, like, just the 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 shades of white and cream and, like, high contrast. I just think she... I don't know. Hers, I, I think, really come across strong on the on the television. Yes. Speaking of beautiful plates, while his dish was very boring, Brian Voltaggio's dish was visually stunning. Yeah. With those, it was a green sauce and a red sauce that sort of looked very airy and had a beautiful piece of fish, which apparently was undercooked. But um, I just thought, in terms of visually stunning, I got to give shout outs to Brian Voltaggio because he knows what he's doing. Um, okay, let's talk about um, top and bottom. On the top, we have Michael Voltaggio, Jen Carroll, Kevin. I'm seeing a pattern here. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's what I was saying earlier. There's a lot of, like, consistent heavy hitters from this episode to last. Um, you know, Mike V walks away with the win, which awards him $15,000, which I looked up. $15,000 in 2009 converted to 2024 would be $23,028.98. Wow. Inflation. <laughs> Oof. Tale of the times. Anyway, yeah, so we have a win for Michael Voltaggio. He's like, no, I got one up on my brother. So they're really just in their own world. Yeah. And then, then we turn to the bottom. Of course, you mentioned already Jesse. I actually really love Todd English's use of the word blonde to describe the scallop and the lack of sear on the scallop. We got some blonde scallops and it's just soft over soft texture. I, I really do love when the, when the judges commentate on the, like, this sort of like harmony of texture on the plate. And that's something that always shocks me that chefs really stumble on is, is just remembering like you have to have different textures at play here. That is um, something that I think is the inherent challenge to a quick fire. 
when you really have limited time, and of course the elimination challenge is longer, but is still limited, I think that's part of the competition element. Mm -hmm. Clearly texture is something that requires a lot of time to think through and develop. And so I'm not surprised that consistently texture is a piece of criticism in quick fires. Because when you only have 15 minutes to execute something, you are not thinking about crunch, smooth, whatever the many textures are. I'm not going to try to name them. Um, But I think that that is, to me, it is clear that that is something that very sophisticated chefs think long and hard about. And quick fires are not the arena for that type of cooking. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And who else was on the bottom? Okay, yes. So we have Jesse Blonde, Eve. Oh, oh my God. Once again, just... I mean, the, the plate, the arrangement, like you got this pile of, what was it, asparagus? Yes. Just sort of sitting on the edge of the they plate. They were so, they were on the edge of the plate. They looked so wilted. So sad. And sad. Yeah. And then she had the dressing in this weird divot, which is the same plate, plate Jen Carroll used last episode for her ceviche, where she had this nice individual portion of ceviche in the divot. Right. But it just, the whole thing, once again, wedding food. Yep. That yeah. is a terrible appetizer you get at a wedding. Totally. And, and then, then we have Brian for his beautiful plate. Apparently really undercooked that fish. Undercooked. And he's got to chill with the yuzu, homie. Todd English wasn't wasn't a fan of that yuzu level. So, uh, and that's, uh, you know, I, I really yuzu like Brian. But yuzu be knowing better, yeah, Brian Yuzu, yuzu got to know better. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to the elimination challenge. Woo! The Bachelor, Bachelorette in Vegas, baby! Oh my goodness. Okay, first question I have. Do you think these people are actually husband and wife? (laughs) That was my first question, too. (laughs) Okay, yeah. First off, do we think they're a couple? Let's start there. I honestly, I think no. I just don't think so. I think, like, there's some Craigslist ad that we could probably track down with, like, you know, uh, one of those, like, websites that you could just, like, look at websites. Yes, there is no way that Top Chef Production found a couple who happened to be in Vegas (laughs) when this was filming, who happened to be down to have this weird joint bachelor bachelorette, who happened to be down for Top Chef to cater it. And for them to be on television for their bachelor. Right. Famously, bachelor and bachelorette parties are so debaucherous that you want no evidence at all. Who on earth is willing to have their bachelor bachelorette party televised? Not me. We don't even have to get into the sort of like personality of it all. Like, let's focus on the challenge. So the challenge is um, chef testants divided into two teams. Women versus men, which we'll get into. Um... And the challenge is, you know, the women have to cook the food for the for the bachelor party, and the men have to cook the food for the bachelorette party. Huge twist. Huge twist. <laughs> Gender bending. Coming. Top Chef, you are really pushing the boundaries so here. So crazy. Um, and and the you know the hook on all of this is that they need to create plates that um, pair nicely with probably three of the grossest <laughs> drinks you could think to pair with, like in reverse order of grossness. We have Golden Delicious, which I don't even want to... What is that? Never heard of it. I mean, a Golden Delicious apple is bad, and that's like... A Golden Delicious apple, I think, and once again, I'm probably going to get yelled at in the comments for this, a la Harvey Weinstein. I'm pretty sure Golden Delicious apple is an invented breed. I think there's a really famous photo of the first Golden Delicious tree that was bred in the United States. 
because it's like a proprietary technology. I'm going to okay. come back in episode three for a follow-up on the golden, the history of the Golden Delicious. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Golden Delicious shot, it's essentially an apple teeny, Very of the moment. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So we have Golden Delicious. We have a Moscow Mule shot and we have a tequila shot. Who's taking a shot of a Moscow Mule? Explain, riddle me this. It is a carbonated drink. Right. And you're going to just throw that back? You're going to rip your esophagus out. Are you kidding me? I mean, in my mind, that's the only one that isn't a shot. You know, you have tequila, which (laughs) is just actually just tequila. For a show with as many talented food people as Top Chef, they couldn't think of a third flavored cocktail besides tequila? I don't like the lack of symmetry. Um... Uh, but yes, okay, so we, sorry, we really haven't even gotten out with the challenges. I'm going to say it very succinctly. Perfect. Challenge. Bachelor, bachelorette party. Female chefs are a team. Male chefs are a team. Female chefs are making a meal of finger foods mm-hmm. and light bites for the bachelor party. Male chefs are making a meal of finger foods and light bites for the bachelorette party. All of these dishes need to match or pair with one of three shots. Yep. The end. Whew, that was... A long walk for a ham sandwich, as my old boss used to say. Um, But anyway, okay, let's get into the dynamics here. Battle of the sexes. Immediately, we have Jen Carroll and Ashley saying how idiotic of a challenge it is to pit the men and women against each other. You just have Jen Carroll saying, I think this is bullshit, (laughs) is her direct quote. Well, and Ashley, and I love, I, I, I love that they gave Ashley, like, some some air time to just really air her grievances like yes. it's kind of fucked up like she's having to cook for a bachelor and bachelorette party in an institution like she says that she can't even be a part of at the time so um there's certainly like emotions are high for this um and it's i really liked it well also i want to get to later in the episode the producers clearly realizing how they have aired on that have a moment where they enlist another chef to sort of be the voice of the production, which we'll get in. Oh, I'll just say it now. So Preeti is also a queer chef on this season. Uh, she talks about how she's been with her partner for 13 years. And she and Ashley get into a conversation about, like, how unfair this challenge is, essentially, because they're, you know, being asked to do something that they're not allowed to be part of. And Preeti has a talking head where she says, in a way, I'm envious of Ashley being so passionate about this issue I'm almost jealous that I'm not more impassioned about this but I'm just here to cook I'm here for the client and I think to me the way that Ron last week wreaked a bad production I think Preeti this week wreaks a bad production I think production did not think carefully or critically about the challenge and the type of backlash that it might have and the second one of the contestants brought it up they did a little damage control and they're like okay well Let's get someone who's in the same demographic as the chef who's complaining and have them sort of defend why we did right, this challenge. Right, yeah. And I think Preeti was maybe put in a bit of an uncomfortable situation here. Let's get back to food. We really need to remember the food in this episode. Um, so the women. Or in general, we're seeing a lot of sort of wedding light bites. We're seeing some cured fish. Mm-hmm. We're seeing some... Uh, Pasta, I think. I think we're seeing some ceviches. We're seeing tartars. Um, tartars. We're seeing some tofu. We're seeing 
a lot of finger food. We're seeing a shocking amount of raw fish this season for for being in Las Vegas. Yeah, landlocked being, yeah. desert island. I mean, I, I, you know, it 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 works with the city itself, but just the heat level, right? Because, like, a lot of these challenges, you're outside, you're like, I mean, these cheftessants are going to be, like, serving poolside. So, yeah, we'll get into that. But, um... Let's see. So some 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 stuff that's jumping out to me. Um, Eve going back to shrimp again. She's looking for redemption and she's not going to find it. Not in between a shrimp. Um. <laughs> okay. Next up, we have um, Lorene Moroccan lamb. Mm. This looked delicious. Yeah, it looked well cooked. Looked like a bite I would enjoy. Um, we go oh, ahead. you know what? We get our we get our first um, kind of Top Chef faux pas, which is the chef who thinks. I finished my dish. Why not make another? Uh, Ashley. Um, fallen for it. Fallen for it. She made two dishes uh, for the elimination challenge, starting with the watermelon carpaccio. Which was one of the best dishes of the day. Yep. With and, a ricotta salada. Oh, love. And and then she decides, you know what? I'm going to do a panna cotta. Um, bay leaf panna cotta. And famous last words, uh, Alarm Ashley. bells are going off. Alarm Ooh. bells are going off. Um also, she literally says, like, I don't really know how to make panna cotta. I'm just going to try. Like, everything about this had red flags. And yeah. she was just barreling through regardless. Yeah, I think I think what chefs maybe make the mistake of doing is saying, like, okay, if I have an excellent dish, even a mid-dish is going to put me over, like, 10 more percent. They don't see it as, no, you're going to cancel out that excellent dish because now you've given us a taste of something that's truly ter- terrible. So, yep. Um, and, you know, I love Jen. Jen was just like, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah. She, Jen is a good player. She knows what's going to yeah. work and what's not. And she's not shy about saying what she thinks. Um, other dishes of note on the women's team. Preeti, tuna on a wilted shiso leaf. Mm-hmm. I believe the word that Tom used was pedestrian. Yep. Everybody seems to dislike it. And it was unprofessionally done. So yeah, we're out on this dish. And kind of the meta, I think the meta observation, if we're going on vibes alone, was that the men, uh, you know, their prep was a little bit more frazzled and fraught. Um, women were making kind of comments like, oh, their food seems so contrived. That's not anything I would eat at a bachelorette party. Uh, and what we've, what we see is like actually that was kind of the right move. Um, women yep. kind of just had a lot of kind of flat, muted, underdeveloped flavors. But let's talk about those delicious flavors. Um, we have Hector's tofu ceviche. By the way, Hector and Eve know how to pronounce ceviche. They both mm-hmm. said it properly. Jen is still going hard on the ceviche. Okay, and what does that bring our ceviche counter to? Oh, bits. We have three ceviches in one episode, bringing our seasoned ceviche counter to four in just two episodes. That's insane. That's too many ceviches per episode ratio. Too many ceviches. And and that's not even, we're not counting the tartare. I mean, of course they're different, but like... Oh, should we put tartare in the ceviche counter? I I, honestly, I think we're going to get enough just... Straight ceviche. Yeah, so let's see how far we can take that. Yeah, fair. Um, But okay, Hector's tofu ceviche sounded delicious. Everyone was really impressed with the inventiveness. Loved it. Eli, tuna tartare. Um, He was coming very close to a vague Asian by saying Uh it's basically Thai. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the flavors he did list are basically Thai. He had coconut milk. He had rice paper. He had some uh, Thai basil and chili. So... I'll give him a pass on that one. Well, you know who did have Asian? Ash. Ash. With his Asian, Asian chicken, chicken wings. wings. 
I knew it. Which the judges liked. Which the judges liked. Um, yeah. So clearly was a soy sauce a based. Yeah. <laughs> what's in a name? Um, okay, a dish on this team, on the men's team, that I thought was very weird. Someone we actually haven't spoken about at all yet in either episode is Mateen. Mm-hmm. Our French chef who looks like he's going to the running of the bulls with that red <laughs> bandana, his signature. Um, Mateen made a bouillabaisse, which is a heavy seafood stew. Right. Once again, why are you making that in Las Vegas? There's ne'er a body of water in sight. Um, and there was also some sort of meatball and aioli that went with it. The whole thing screamed classic French cooking. And French chefs are not known for their flexibility no they're not known for their willingness to change their ways to fit the situation so i'm not surprised that our friend chef came out with a bouillabaisse but um just a wild choice for this um and then yes we have our ash asian chicken wing in my notes i I have ah we finally got it vaguely asian (laughs) and then did well did well. <laughs> so good for him. Um, and just to kind of maybe round out, I know we didn't cover all the guys, but uh, Mike I, chefs were not a fan. They uh, He made an Arctic char. Uh, chefs, direct quote, flabby. Um, I, I really love that word. We got flabby fish. We got blonde scallops. This is like a very poetic. Um, we should keep a glossary of our favorite that. terms to describe bad food. Um, and then... A recap of the cooking section of this challenge would be incomplete without mentioning that all of the male chefs then took off their chef coats and jumped in the pool. If you were at a catered event and the catering staff took off their clothes and jumped in the pool that you had ostensibly paid to rent, how would you feel? (laughs) okay we are recording at my apartment in greenpoint uh this is not the most professional setup you may have just heard in the background one of the weirdest car horns (laughs) it was like that was really flourished it sounded Um, like a clown nose honk 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 (laughs) we can't confirm or deny it was a car or a clown but um but yeah so uh, just yeah. saying, if you want us to have a better audio setup, please subscribe, uh, tell your friends about us, and make us famous. Yeah, slip us a dollar when you see us. Um, no, so yeah, uh, catering staff jumping in the pool. Yeah, I would be pretty pissed. I would, of course, be I, I think it's funny, like, it's a real... Um, those kind of situations are almost like olives, where it's like, you either love olives or you hate olives. There's some people that just see that and they're like, this is hilarious, I gotta do it. And then you have people that are like, how, why in the world, who, but what would ever possess you to want to do that? That, I think, was what I saw playing out. They're also whipping their shirts around. Oh my god, no one needed to see it. But, okay. Uh, and we have a few more women to discuss. Yeah, so two more to note. We have one very good one. Which is Jen. Ceviche. Hard each. <laughs> Ceviche. And there's no time for the whole word. But yeah, the judges like it. But um, a woman who did not perform very well is Jessie. Her chicken lettuce cups. And all I'm saying is Jessie has now made two subpar chicken dishes in Elimination Challenge. And I think she could really benefit from a visit to the Chicken Whisperer. Yours truly, Nancy DeSilva. If they ever come back to New York... 
for Top Chef Got season. Jesse, if you're listening to this, call me, beat me. I'm willing to show you my ways. Absolutely. I just think, honestly, like the thing I'll say about chicken on Top Chef, don't do it. Unless it's like a fried chicken challenge or it's a southern food challenge. Like, I really just really like there's so many other proteins that you should pick before you pick chicken. And it is a, pro- in a lettuce cup. Like, yeah. Yeah. It is a protein that when cooked properly shows incredible talent, but it is very easy to cook improperly. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Moving on. We've now sort of covered all the highlights of this episode with regard to the food. Let's talk about judging and how it all went down. So we have the men team coming out on top, a huge blow to female chefs everywhere. Yep. I think we all collectively did not want that to be the result, but unfortunately it was. I'd actually love to know, and this is not something we chatted about last time, but um, those top four, what what dish were you most would you have been most excited to try? Um, I am. I think Hector's tofu, mm. only because it seems I am. I like tofu. It's I eat it, but it just seemed really interesting and inventive. Yeah. Um, I think. Look, I'm a sucker for a tuna tartare. Um, oh, but actually. Another dish that I would have been really excited to try that I realize we haven't spoken about yet, Brian Voltaggio. I agree. I, that's what I had down here. I think um, I think the thing that Hector and Brian's dish had in common was like they took a very common um, uh, dish and they presented it as far as technique goes in a really interesting way. Or they took like some. Um, ingredients that they weren't expecting and use them in a different way but I yeah absolutely I had Brian he had the um kind of like meringue play on chips and guac almost wild um I would say by the way um that's a bit of an understatement for Brian like this was a real departure from his steak and potatoes that we've seen in every episode so far he really sort of bowled me over with this it's I was very skeptical uh like guacamole inside meringue but he it clearly was delicious. Gail loved it. I love when Gail gets excited. Yeah. It's very sweet and endearing. Um, and so, yeah, I was really excited to see Brian on top of that dish. Yeah. And so we had Brian, Hector, Eli, Mike, I. That's rounding out your top four. Brian takes the win this time. And, and what does he have to say? Suck it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one up on my brother. That's it. Incredible. Okay, so now to the bottom, the women's team. We have a very familiar group going into judges table for the bottom we've got eve shrimp again jesse chicken again Preeti, who i believe was in the bottom last time mm-hmm. um with her shiso leaf and then ashley which was very sad to see because the panna cotta put her there but she did have one of the best dishes of the day the watermelon ricotta salada yeah so um let's talk about how they behaved at judges table okay yes i had a note here too on that i think um the claws are kind of out, like, this time. You know, I think a lot of... And, and there's this... There's... I think we talked about this last time, but you have the people who knew that they d- didn't put their best plate forward um, and maybe aren't surprised that they're there. And then you have the category of people who are either shocked that they're there um, or even if they think they should be there are still, like, really... Defensive. Like, defensive, yeah. Preeti, every time she gets criticism is very defensive. And I think, once again, in these early episodes, more than flavor and and raw talent, we're looking for countenance. We're looking for stature. We're looking for Top Chef potential. Yeah. And the second you talk back to the judges or dig your heels in or 
display in any way a naivete about what you did wrong, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, so we got that from Preeti. Um, Jesse actually, I think, was really the only chef that kind of agreed and was like, yeah, I did not put my best plate Yeah, and out. she cried. Yeah. We have our first cry of yeah. the season. I, I think I would cry every episode if I was on the bottom. Oh my God. It How do you suck. not? The stress of it and... No, I, I think that Jesse, not only has she been on the... She's been on the bottom three times in a row now. We oh, have okay. Elimination Challenge last episode, Quick Fire, and Elimination Challenge this episode. So it's got to be a knock to your confidence. Yeah, um, But all in all, unfortunately, the shrimp anti-whisperer is gone. Goodbye to Eve. Goodbye, Eve. You won't be missed. <laughs> so, so okay. So, the, the dish that sends Eve home, Gulf shrimp and avocado ceviche. I mean, I if there was ever going to be a ceviche on the bubblegum shrimp menu, I think this is it. <laughs> um, so, Nancy, I have to ask, would you eat that? No. Flat out. Um, and I feel rude saying that. Because I said no last episode too. But personally, I'm not a huge shellfish eater. It takes a lot to get me to... I'll, I'll order it if it's like the most delicious thing or it's really famous. But um, in general, I don't go out of my way to eat shrimp. And so this poorly uh, cooked, sitting in the sun all day, Eve concocted dish is a no for me, dog. Yeah. Uh, also no for me, dog. I'm not even going to belabor the point. No. Um, but let, let's hear a little bit about where Eve's at, uh, currently. So where's Eve now? Um, Eve, uh, much, as you pointed out, Midwestern girl. Um, so she's based in Detroit. She actually has, um, last I checked, uh, two locations of her restaurant Frita Batidos, which is Cuban inspired street food. Um, Eve? Cuban-inspired yes. street food? I was a little food? shocked by that, too. That and, is a huge curveball. Yes. And at the time of this uh, season, she actually had a namesake restaurant, Eve, um, that has since shuttered. Uh, but yes, right now, Frita Batido. So if you're in the Ann Arbor or Detroit area, you can give that a taste. I was not expecting any of that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Love that. The more you know. The more you know. Um, so now that we know, we've said, would you eat that? And where are they now? It's time for my favorite segment. Judge's Table. Maybe I should put in some music for Judge's Table, too. I love it. (laughs) Okay, so, Bits, you get to do your Judge's Table first this episode. Um, I'm going to put one minute on the clock. Please hold. We are going to hear from Bits's judges table starting now. Okay, my judges table this week is eating by a pool. I think that is just the most disgusting place to eat. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I'll say there's there's a few dishes that I would exclude from that. Um, chicken fingers, fries, um, really anything that you could get at your sort of like neighborhood pool, like during the summertime but other than that gross like the thought of just eating raw fish like baking in the sun by a like you you can just smell the chlorine coming off that pool i'm sure i just find that to be the most heinous situation for eating any sort of food um i really don't have more to say than that i think like you know i'm not even talking about being in the pool that's a whole other level of disgusting but like Eating in a pool, having like the things floating around. No, I just that was that was. I my could not judgment. agree with you more. Honestly, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, that's Bits's judges' table. One minute. Um, I 
hadn't even thought of that. It really brings me back to the days when like someone had a like you go to their country club and you like order food by yeah. the pool. It's so novel and you're like a kid and, and you think it's cool. your fingers are like pruned and like it's gross. Ugh. And what are your feelings on eating? And then I remember growing up, it was always like wait two hours to digest your food. Oh, well, I'm not waiting. I never waited. No. I had I, there were definitely two types of kids growing up: the kids whose parents enforced that rule and the kids whose parents didn't. What's that all about? Is it because, like, you get seasick or something with the food in your tummy? <laughs> you get seasick. <laughs> you landlubber. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But we'll fact check that because I know everybody's dying to know. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, wow. Thank you for sharing of that, Grace. I needed to hear that. All right. Let's hear yours, Nancy. Okay. Nancy's judges table. One minute. Here we go. Mike Isabella's nicknames for his cast members. Uh-uh. This man literally cannot do anything right. Like, I think he's a walking Me Too complaint. Like, he goes... Okay, so for context, in one of the quirky, like, off-camera antics scenes that they show, Mike I is saying that he's the guy who gives everyone nicknames. I'm the nickname guy. Like, I'm so funny. And his nicknames that he says for Eli and Kevin, the Pickle Brothers, which is funny... From what does that even mean? Who? What are the? What do they have to do with pickles? And there's two pickles in a jar. Okay, pickle brothers. Okay, that's number one. The next one he calls Eve Ninja. She has at no point in this com- competition displayed any sort of ninja-like skills. Bizarre. And then of course he has to go and do a little racism and say Preeti. I call her Purdy because I just can't pronounce her name. Oh boy. Jesus Christ, my guy. Like. Get media. If you know that you're that, oh my, okay, I'm over. Sorry. Oh my God. Just get some media training, my guy. Too late for that now, but um, <laughs> yeah. better luck next time. <laughs> well, you know what? This was an exciting episode. I think, again, we see like the Vegas of it all coming through strong. I'm super excited for what episode three has in store. But for now, signing off. Compliments to the chef. We'll see you next time. <laughs>